What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro GK Podcast. My name is Omar Zini, and I'm going to be your host as usual. In today's episode, I'm going to be switching it up just a little bit. I'm not going to have a goalkeeper personality or a goalkeeper coach or a professional goalkeeper on. I'm actually going to have my good friend, Matt Sheldon. And as some of you guys may know him on social media, he is Become Elite. And Matt and I were old teammates from UC Davis. And he's one of the reasons why I started my channel of Pro GK back in 2016. In 2015, I came back to UC Davis as a graduate assistant, and he was trying out with Sac Republic. We lived in the same house. He was on the kitchen floor, and I was on the living room floor. And every day, I would see him wake up, go film drills, come back, sit on the couch, and edit for hours. And that was kind of one of the first times I realized that educational content from a goalkeeper perspective was an avenue that I could potentially take as a full-time job and as something to bring you guys content on a daily basis. So we had a lot of discussions and Matt encouraged me to start my own channel and I did. And fast forward, we are here now in 2020 doing our own things. He's doing his thing with Become Elite and playing professional football for FC Tulsa of the USL Championship. And I'm here as well with Pro GK and my own private uh, sessions as well. His story is nothing but inspirational and I'm hoping that you guys can have some great takeaways from this. Whether you're a goalkeeper or some of his followers who come and listen from Become Elite, Matt is a very, very good content creator and probably one of the best and I think that the reason why he's so good is because he has a rule is that if it's not going to be valuable to a young player or a young coach, then there's no reason for you to post it. And I think those are words to live by for every content creator. And for me, it was just very nice to see somebody be successful when putting out valuable content for you guys. So for me, that was good to see as a great example. So enough of me rambling. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. But before we get to it, please, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe it helps the podcast be exposed to more potential viewers and listeners, so please, please do that for me. Without further ado, guys, Matt Sheldon from Become Elite. Enjoy. Matt, what's up, dude? What's up, Zany? How you doing? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Someone just wrote, couldn't hear me, but uh, Matt, we're going to go into a little bit of your background, and then from there, just give some followers here some context as to who you are and uh, yeah, but go, go from there right now. You are currently a professional player for in the United States for FC Tulsa of the USL Championship. Uh, you're very well known for being the founder and director of your popular social media channel, Become Elite. Become Elite you know, offers drills, programs, tutorials, and an inside look into your professional lifestyle and uh, the ups and downs of being a professional. To me, Matt, you've become one of the leading voices in the industry, at least for me, and a kind of a breath of fresh air as a side to those other content creators who kind of are very self-centric. They really post content to help their bottom line. But I feel like you uh, have always been intentional about what you do and, and what you post to try and help the next generation. So um, again, thank you for that. It's really awesome what you do. Without further ado, you know, I, I know you personally as somebody who is extremely hardworking, extremely disciplined at whatever you do, but not many people know who you are. So can you give us a little bit of a background of, of your personality and, and kind of what has gotten you to this point in your career? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, first off, thank you for all that. That's that's awesome. And uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty like laid back, pretty relaxed uh, when it comes like outside of, of soccer and outside of like working out and all that stuff. I, I like to joke around. I'm very like kind of like chill. But when it comes to anything like soccer, become elite and training and everything like that, like I feel like it's it's definitely um, I take that very, very seriously. And I kind of wanted to with the become elite and everything and obviously with my career. I kind of just wanted to show that like the behind the scenes of how seriously, you know, I took it and what really helped me with my career and everything. So that's kind of like the, the honestly, the sum up that's become elite just showing what I do every single day 
and just the behind the scenes of that. For sure. Well, I mean, I think a lot of us, especially me as a coach growing up, you have these little like aha moments where you kind of things get put into perspective and kind of you start understanding what it's going to be in the real world and what it's going to take from you to kind of realize those dreams. So for you, did you have any of those like aha moments as a young kid where you realize, okay, you know, discipline, hard work and all the little attributes and characteristics that you, you have now? Did you feel like, wow, okay, this experience or this moment in my in my childhood or my playing career really set me in, in good stead moving forward? Yeah, yeah. I think like there's always like little tiny things that like stick with you all the time throughout your career or throughout your life. And I think there's just like little tiny things that kind of like instilled hard work or like what I wanted to do in life or everything. For example, like the three big ones that pop out to me are probably when I was like six or seven and I, I had no idea like how to hit like a longer ball, how to, how to kick a ball or do anything. And my dad was just like, look, the only way we're going to improve this, like you're the worst person at kicking a ball on your team. The only way we're going to improve this is to go out to a field and practice relentlessly every day, hitting long ball after long ball after long ball. And I think like that moment, I remember being at the field and just doing it and I hating it. And I just didn't want to do it, anything else but that. But I think just like that tiny moment of just like realizing like this is the only way to improve at that. And it is just going out and doing that. And the same thing with working out and like nutrition and everything. I was always super tiny, super skinny, and I wanted to build muscle. So it was like the same thing around 12, 13, just all the research I'd put in, in that front, it kind of led to just like, look, there's only really one way to build muscle. And there's only really one way to get stronger, to cut down fat or whatever. And it's just eating right and working out. And so it just kind of like little moments like that throughout my career or wherever, just it's all the same thing to me of just like, look, it's just putting in the work, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, social media, uh, your career, anything, every moment just kind of like reminded me of like, wow, it's just the same thing. You just got to work. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, for me, one of the, the moments that really introduced that kind of work ethic and kind of what I saw from you was, I remember, you know, I'm not the, the thinnest guy, so I was always struggling with, you know, getting in shape and trying to get into shape, but I'm also somebody who liked to cut corners and take those shortcuts. So I remember one time you and I had a conversation and I said, Hey Shelly, you know, I, I see your physique and I really want to try to attain that. So, you know, give me the secrets. Like what is the secret sauce that you use and like the shortcuts that I can personally take to get to that next level of, of, of fitness. And I remember you, you kind of sat me down. You were like, dude, you know, you know, everyone sees the end product and everyone sees, uh, you know, how I look now, but you didn't see, you know, I was sitting there researching article after article after article, trying to read and understand fitness and nutrition and how I can apply that to myself to get myself to a good level of, of uh, like you said, you're kind of scrawny, but get yourself to a physique where you felt like you can actually hold your own on the field. And to me, that kind of stuck with me because I was like, you're, he's so right. Like I, I, do, I, we don't see the behind the scenes. We only see the finished product. So for you, you know, based off of that, do you feel like a lot of kids out there are trying to take that shortcut? And do you feel like they should be more responsible in their own development? Yeah, a hundred percent. And like you kind of see, and it's hard because you have to balance that of like trying to do the research to find the best thing that's going to help you with whatever, what you want to do and find like not the shortcut, but finding like the best path in order to get fit or the best path to improve your weak foot or whatever. But yeah, I think a lot of people underestimate just how simple it really is with anything, you know, like working out all that stuff like we've talked about. And I think like you see it time and time again, especially on social media of uh, especially in the soccer community of like, you know, how to improve your weak foot. And there's always people asking about what to do. There has to be a secret, you know, I'm doing something wrong 
or anything. And it's just kind of like, I do think that there's kids that out there that want to find the shortcut, but I think it just stems like the, the, the core of it is they just want to find the best way. But I think it's so important for whoever you are, if you're a goalkeeper coach, you know, a normal coach, or if you're, you know, a fitness influencer or whatever, is just to, to put out the idea of like, yes, there are better ways, but the main idea is that you're going to have to work and go out there every single day. And there's just no, there really is no shortcut. For sure. So what's your process like? I've always wanted to ask you when you have an idea or a goal in, in your head, what is something that you, do you sit down and write, okay, this is the end goal. Let me reverse engineer or, hey, this is the end goal. Let me see how somebody else accomplished this goal. Like what's your process like to help the young kids out there? Yeah. Yeah. I think working backwards, like what you just said with the goal is like huge. Like if it was, uh, for example, I wanted to play pro after college. I knew I wanted to go play pro. So end goal was the pro. I want to play pro. And then it's just working back. So it's like, okay, where should I be in a year from now? Where should I be in three months from now? Where should I be in a month from now, a week from now, and today? And then it's just like the process goals of just like, okay, well, what's the one thing I could do today in order to get, like help out me becoming a pro? And so it was always like the same thing. It's so simple. It was like, well, the best thing I can do today is get in a training session or get in a little bit extra work or do something that's just going to help me out a little bit. Or it was like, oh, I'm just going to have to eat right or I'm just going to have to do this or this or whatever. And so just like little tiny things is like, that's, that's, that's what, that was like always, <laughs> I think it was Mimi coming in. Um, but like, honestly, it's just like, it was always like working backwards and finding it. And the same thing. It was just like, okay, well today it's to work out, to train, to eat right. And the same thing with social media. It's like, well, how do I build up my social media? Well, I have to put out quality content today. And that's, that's the number one thing to do. So it's just like, again, there's like no big secret about it. It's just doing the little things right every day over years and years and years. Yeah, I think you're right. Everything adds up. And I think that's the important thing of, you know, setting a goal and, and you have to be in love with the process. And I think a lot of times, even if you're starting a social media channel or whatever it is, you want to make sure that what you're what you're doing, if like the world ended today with that one thing you're trying to you know push forward, whether it's your become a lead channel or you're trying to become professional, is that, is that the one thing that will, will stay with you and you're really hungry for? Because if you're not hungry for it, then you're going to give up and it's going to be something that's going to be very short term, very short lived. So I think that's super important is to be almost in love with what you're doing and really be in it or else you're not going to follow through with everything. Yeah. But so for you, Matt, like moving forward from obviously setting these good standards for yourself and, you know, good habits as a kid, you're stepping in now to, you know, let's say junior and senior year of high school. Was division one something that was on your mind? Um, <laughs> when I was like a junior in high school, it was, it was on my mind in the fact of like, I think every kid wants to play pro or wants to play D1 college soccer in America. Um, but it wasn't in the, like the plans where I was like, okay, I'm going to go and play this. Like I, I have a, like a full process of doing it because a junior year I missed the entire high school season because I had an injury in my glute and I just like pulled, did something stupid. And then I, uh, I was on, still on the B team of my club team. I've been on the B team of my club team for like three years, freshman, sophomore, junior year. And I just couldn't make the A team. It was like a, it wasn't even DA, just a local club team. And so it was like, I wanted it, but like at the same time, it was like, how am I supposed to play D1 if I can't even get off this B team? So yeah, junior year, it was not in the plans, but it was something obviously I wanted. So what did you feel like you lacked? Let's say again, it's, and I try to put it into perspective for these young kids. If they're in a position now where they may be getting to that junior and senior year of high school and they haven't committed to a school and you know, their friends are all committing and, and things are moving fast around them, but for them, things are moving very slow. So what, what um, advice can you give those kids that were like you weren't on the A team, but 
let's say, what did you lack and what was that process for you like kind of reverse engineering and figuring out what you could do to get to that next level? Yeah, yeah. I, I It was like what you just said, reverse engineering it. It was like looking at my game at that point and being like, okay, why am I on, not on the A team of the club team? Why am I not starting or doing well for the varsity of my, of my high school? And it was like always the same thing. It was I was way too small. I had no, like I couldn't physically hold my own when I was on the field. And uh, technically I was, I was actually, I was okay, but it was always, I was way too small and it was just, just those little things too. I think technically it was okay. So if I was going to be really small, I needed to be exceptionally technical, but I wasn't, I was just kind of like standard at everything. So I made the, made the, the emphasis of like, look, I need to have something about my game that's, that's really good. And so it was kind of like, okay, I, I should get in the gym. Like if I'm weak and I can't hold my own, I need to get in the gym and start putting on weight. And if I'm not technical at all and I can't dribble, I can't shoot, I can't do anything that good, I just need to go out and, and work on that and work on my weakness of that. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point too is about redeeming qualities. I think that's the biggest thing that I've actually gotten uh, as a response from some of these coaches that I've interviewed is that if you're a short goalkeeper, then you can't be bad at mistiming crosses. You can't be bad at your feet. You can't be a bad sweeper keeper. You have to be exceptional in all those other roles. So I know for you, uh, one of the big things that you do is tutorials and like drills that you can work on your distribution, uh, not distribution, excuse me, uh, work on your skills. Uh, do you feel like all those little drills that you've done kind of on your own without any coaches or anybody around you, is that something that you would uh, advise for young players to, to get out there and to really implement into their daily routines? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I always think that the best thing you can do is to train with a lot of guys and to do rondos and do stuff like that because I think it's the most realistic thing. But the thing is, if you can't do that, like I was up at my house and I was by myself or just with my brother or, you know, outside of that is just to do all the extra stuff you can. Because when you're in a big group, or you're in a training, sometimes you might not get as good as many touches. Sometimes you might never hit a long ball or some whatever. You're not working on like all the aspects of your game. So then when you're by yourself is to do the little things that you know that you that you're maybe in the training sessions that you're not doing. You know, if like you're not very confident about your long ball. And so in the training, you never hit a long ball then to go off on your own and to work on your long balls in the privacy of wherever you want to be work on that weakness or, or want to work on the things that even make you a good player. Yeah, I think every player should be going and doing their team trainings, small group trainings, workouts, individual trainings, just do it all. Like, honestly, it's it's funny, but you just got to do it, honestly. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for, uh, for me, you know, I, I got to see firsthand because you and I went to Davis together and I got to see firsthand your development and your, I guess, addiction to your craft from day one, your freshman year up until your senior year. So, you know, again, I kind of want to fast forward now. You get the opportunity to go to UC Davis Division One school. And once you step in, what was your mindset like? And kind of like take me through maybe that first week or so when you're stepping into preseason with the team. How did you feel like you stacked up? Was it everything that, you know, college soccer was built up in your mind and things you have heard over the past? Kind of what was that like? Yeah, I so I had no uh, I had no idea what the level was going to be like. I had no idea how I was going to stack up coming into uh, into Davis. And it's still honestly, I it's so crazy too that we went to the same college together, friends there for four years is awesome, and lived together for a little bit of it. Uh, but yeah, going in there, I really think that like I underestimated how technical and how sharp every player was going to be. And I thought like because at that point, once I kind of progressed into my senior year of of, um, of high school. I focused so much on my weakness of being small and scrawny and unathletic that I almost went like overboard where I was all like the main thing I was focusing on every single day was my fitness, was me in the gym, was just becoming the best athlete I could become. So I got into Davis and I thought that like, I was like, wow, athletically, I feel like, you know, I'm really hanging with everybody, if not like 
towards kind of the top. And fitness-wise, I felt like it was towards the top. Um, but then I saw every, how good everybody was and how fast everybody played and the speed of play. And I kind of like at that point realized like I, I can definitely hang here, but I found quickly what my weakness was and what I needed to work on at that moment of first touch, juggling, just like simple passing and one, one touch play that I, I felt like I was definitely lacking on during that, that first week or two weeks there. For sure. And I think now you're playing more of a defensive role, correct, in your professional career? Yeah, I, was, I came in at but Davis. In, as, yeah, yeah, go on. No, so, but, but in college, uh, again, to pre, you know, precursor for this question is that a lot of, uh, again, a lot of coaches and myself included is about adaptability as a player. So you kind of have to step in sometimes to a college environment knowing environment knowing that the coach may use you and, and make you be a versatile player so it's important not to get fixated on one position so once you come in you got to have to be open-minded and understand that if you want to see the field sometimes you have to sacrifice what you want for the betterment of the team and maybe you sometimes have to play forward like you did so what was that transition like for you you know you have all these like skill sets as a defender coming in and then you become a forward what you were you were a f- defender in, in club too correct yeah I was like Honestly, in club soccer, I played everywhere. It was like, okay, sometimes I played center back, sometimes I played outside back, sometimes I played center mid, sometimes I played forward. So, yeah, I was just kind of, I honestly really didn't have a position. But I think majority-wise, I played like outside mid was like my, was where I played majority of the games in high school. And how was that transition like for you having kind of to learn a new position? And, you know, our, our style at Davis is kind of play long balls. And, you know, you kind of have to chase after it. So I wouldn't say that you fit the mold really well, but I think in terms of what, what Dwayne, our head coach, was looking for, you were kind of that build. But it wasn't just that we were asking you to create these chances, but it was about finishing the chances as well. So did you feel like from day one that your freshman year that you got there up until your senior year, like what was the biggest improvement that you felt you uh, brought to the table for yourself? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was a tough transition, but like, uh, it was just kind of like the simple things, like at the same thing, like you said, finishing was like a huge thing that I wasn't like very strong at and I missed a lot of chances. And so it was just kind of like whatever it was, like I knew I wanted to become better at that. So it was like the same thing, sticking around after training, doing one, one V ones with the goalkeepers, finishing, finishing, just trying to work on that, that aspect. And I think like the thing over the four years, I feel like that it proved the most for me was just general play. Like it was the, the, the finishing, the first touch playing one to uh, Rondo like type play fast, fast playing in, in any situation like that speed of play, stuff like that, where it was just over those four years, I feel like I had the athletic base. I had the fitness. I had a lot of the tactical knowledge, but I feel like what really helped in those four years was learning more in different positions and also just doing the extra stuff and training and, and working on just like the technical areas of my game. Absolutely. And, and you're stepping in now where, you get to the point where your senior year, you and a group of guys, and it goes Ramon, Chris, and uh, one more maybe, and yourself, went to go play for the U23s, San Jose Earthquakes. And again, to me, that's that's a great step in the right direction because now you're being introduced to that professional environment where you have players who are on their college teams. They're coming in. They're the best players on their college team. And you got guys from the ACC, Big East, big conferences where, again, your level in the Big West and kind of what the Big West offers is a little bit different than what you see in the ACC so what was that experience like stepping into that or having that first I guess feel of the professional environment what's to be expected of you yeah it was it was awesome like I really think that that was like the the precursor of really wanting to go professionally like I knew it was the same thing almost in in high school where it's like you knew you wanted to go play d1 or be a pro but I felt like going there and and stacking up against all these other 
players, like you just said, in different uh, conferences and, and other pros and semi-pros and stuff, you kind of like saw that it was right there, that you were so close. You saw other players that were from these big teams that were going to get drafted, or you saw players that had already been playing pro and then dropping down for a season or two. And you're like, wow, it's I'm right there. It, it's right there. And it kind of just motivated me to just be like, okay, you know what? I, I want to give it a go. I, I can see that level, the professional level right there. I'll, I'll go for it. But it, same thing. It's just these every level that you go up, it's just like the tiny little baby step differences, the tiny little things. Like when you go up from high school to college or college to PDL team or PDL team to USL team, it's just the speed of play might be a little bit faster or the players might be a little bit more athletic or everybody plays like a little bit quicker. But it's it's... It's just the little tiny differences and all together you can definitely see the, the, the level though between each each level. Yeah, did you ever have any like conversations with any of those teammates to let's say, you know, you saw something in one of your teammates and you said, Wow, like I really want to improve my vision on, you know, certain movements where I don't know what's behind me. How do they know what's behind them and how do they use the peripheral? Did you ever pick your own teammates brains and kind of get curious into how they perfected some of their best traits? Yeah, yeah. There was lots of players that like that just I mean, you could see that you're like, wow, that looks like that's the professional level right there. And it was like uh, like everything. Like, for example, Seth Kasipley was in the, the center mid, and, and he now plays for uh, plays for Orange County Soccer Club, played at Reno for a while, um, played at Portland Timbers too. And he, I just think in the center he was just such – had such great vision, had just like that, that game knowledge where it was like, oh, I'm going to take a quick free kick right here and set up a goal. Just that stuff, very technical and fluid on the ball was oh, – everything always went through him. And – at the same time, it was just like everybody, it kind of reassured to me too, like everybody's got like a role on the team and everybody has their thing. And sometimes I think like you want to pick up the traits. Like I would look at Seth and be like, okay, wow, his vision is just, it's amazing. Uh, there's definitely things I can learn from that and I want to pick up from that. Um, but at the same time, it was almost kind of like, I also don't want to be a player that I'm, I'm not. Like I want to work at that and always try to improve it. But then at the same time, realize that, I'm, I have a different set of characteristics. I have different strengths. And it's kind of like I need to also kind of stick to, to what really makes my game special. The work rate, getting up and down the field, doing the little things like that that I, you kind of kind of see. And it's hard. It's, a, it's like a balance. You know, you want to always improve your weaknesses. But at the same time, you got to also do what makes you like special as a player. For sure. Yeah, I think, uh, again, some of the talking points that I've gotten from these coaches is, you know, when you're a young goalkeeper, I said goalkeeper, but yeah, when you're a young player, it's understanding and being realistic and self-aware, which I think you were growing up is being self-aware and understanding what are the traits that I offer and what is my personality and what what can I bring uh, bring best to the table? But also too, what don't I bring to the table that I really feel like I can improve on? And again, it sounds like a lot of what you do on your channel is kind of helping young kids and helping those players who are, you know, maybe clo this close to the cusp of getting into the next level of, look, you have to be real with yourself, get to the point of like being okay with dropping yourself down a few notches to, let's say, you know, the famous saying is take two steps back to take three steps forward. So how do you feel like, was that a super important for you in, in, uh, in your development? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think that it, it is hard because you, you want to have this like confidence every, anytime you go and, and play at the next level or try to do something, but you do have to always be super realistic and honest with yourself of like, what am I good at? What am I not good at? And I think that's huge because if you can honestly gauge your level and gauge what you are good at and what you're not good at and what you should work on and what you should improve, I think that's that's the key. Because I think there's a lot of players that kind of go in blind and they kind of just think, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, I don't need to work on this, I'm, I have that mentality. And then because they don't, they're not humbling themselves and looking at what they really need to improve, they don't spend the time actually improving it and it holds them back. 
And I think at the same time, you can also go overboard and be like, oh, I need to improve this. I'm not good at this. I need, I'm not good at this. And then your confidence starts to drop. So it's like that balance of, I believe I'm good enough. I believe I can do this. I believe I can play at the next level, but also being realistic and being like, okay, if I'm not there, what is the thing or the two things that are holding me back to be there and how can I improve them? Yeah, well, speaking of that next level, now you're finishing up your senior year at Davis. And what's weird about our situation is, let's say you played baseball, you'd finish in the spring and you can graduate. But for soccer, you in the quarter system in Davis, we had two extra quarters left. And now your senior year is done at Davis playing soccer, but you still have a little bit more left of school. So now you have to make that you know difficult decision of, do I continue school and chase the dream later? Or do I drop everything and go chase the dream now? So can you kind of take me through those conversations uh, in your own mind and with your family at that time and what helped you make your decision to, I guess, chase the dream and, and progress with that? Yeah, I think that the number one thing, like I said, was playing with the San Jose Earthquakes U23s and, and seeing that the professional level or seeing like right underneath the professional level and then just getting that like, okay, I, I can be there. I, I'm right at that level. I think I can make that jump. So that gave me a lot of confidence to, be, to, to really consider dropping out. And then talking with my family, talking with uh, my now fiance Mimi, and, and just kind of discussing my plans. And everybody kind of had that that view of like, look, you really do kind of only have one chance at this. The longer you stay in school, and the longer you put this off, put this off, it's just going to be worse and worse, and it's going to let make your chances be less and less. So kind of like talking with everybody, really thinking about it. And after actually playing at like as close as you can get to that pro level, I really was like, yeah, you know what? I'm ready. I think I'm, after this senior year, I'm going to drop out and go for it. And actually one thing I want to talk about too, uh, and I've talked about this like in a podcast or two, but I think in my senior year, I put way too much pressure on myself. And I, cause I, I knew I wanted to go pro. And instead of just playing and being relaxed and kind of almost being like my normal carefree self on the field, I put so much pressure on myself to perform because I had that end goal of being pro and I wanted to beat how I did my junior year and and the goals that I had and the assists that I had. I almost kind of like lost sight sometimes. I like look at that year and it's like, it was was good. It was still a good year. I scored some goals. I started almost all the games, but I almost took it too seriously and I got, it was almost like I was like more mad. I, I definitely look at that year and it just was like, it was off. I think I put so much pressure on myself and I wanted to succeed so bad that I, I kind of like almost lost sight of what had helped and what had worked for me before, of taking everything seriously, but also being relaxed, carefree, joking around. Looking back at everything, that was like a big mistake that I, I looking back, really look at and kind of say like, you know what, that probably led to me not having the best senior year that I wanted. Yeah, so when you're talking about how you wanted to maybe go back and, and when you were reflecting, think about what you were feeling and the way you approached your senior year did you have that like realization that maybe you put too much pressure on yourself right away before you went to go try and play pro or is it just recently that you said oh man I probably should have changed things up because the way the reason I ask is because in that moment maybe you're stepping into the pro world and saying okay maybe I don't want to put as much pressure on myself because I learned or did you learn this lesson way later in life no I feel like I I learned it even during my senior year like as like a gut feeling because I, I actually it's kind of funny I remember a specific moment where I was playing very aggressive and playing like almost mad. And I feel like even kind of at Davis, that was kind of like the, uh, how they wanted us to play a little bit, like very emotional, like hard, go, 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 you know, type stuff. And I remember I was like playing very emotional and playing tough. And uh, there was a cross in on the ground, a sitter. And I'm not like, uh, like, I'm not the best finisher in the world, but this is one that 
I feel like even I could have definitely put away into the into the net and I just flubbed it like completely and I cussed and I was kicking and I was so mad and after the game I couldn't sleep I was like thinking about that replaying that over and over and all in my head I was just thinking I missed that I messed that up I should have had a goal that should have been another like point for my stats you know all it and just over analyzing and putting so much pressure and I think at that moment like even I kind of realized it's like look this is unhealthy almost of, of how much pressure I'm putting and I know it's it's negatively affecting my game and then I, I think towards the end of my senior year and as I kind of like transitioned into the, to the professional world I made that switch of like look what worked for me and what has worked for 21 years of my life at that point is playing kind of carefree like play, putting all the pressure in my training and then when I actually play when I not to worry about it and just to play instinctually and play, play how I want to play and just kind of be more relaxed and uh, yeah, so I think like right after that senior year is when I kind of was like, okay, you know what? I had a terrible in the way I wanted to perform my senior year. But I think right after that, I was like, no, I, I need to kind of go back to what was working. Yeah, again, I, I kind of, I just love that point because I think it's super important to shift your perspective on things sometimes where, like you said right there, sometimes in the moment you can kind of get frustrated and feel like, wait, why am I playing differently? What, what did I change from last year to this year? What is it about myself that... It doesn't feel normal. And I think if you shift the perspective of why is this happening to more of, yes, maybe I'm putting too much pressure on myself. Why am I putting too much pressure on myself? Just constantly asking that why, why, why. And eventually now, now you have a different perspective of I'm not losing it. I still have it. But at the same time, maybe if I come at it from a different angle, I'll be able to approach the day to day so that I feel more comfortable, like you're saying, versus putting yourself in those positions where you're constantly struggling to sleep, getting super frustrated at training, and it's it's affecting your play because now you're overthinking. So I think that's really important um, that you mentioned that. But okay, I want to get into your professional career now, Matt. We, you know, we talk about the U23 with San Jose Earthquakes, and then we talk about you coming to uh, Davis, and, and now we're moving forward. And I have my notes here from 2015 is where we're going to start, okay? You went, uh, you trialed in Iceland for a second division team in Reykjavik. That didn't work out, unfortunately. You, th- you were there for a week, correct? Yeah, a week. Okay, and then after that, you went to an open tryout. At this point, do you have an agent? Yeah, I do. But he, okay. he got me the trial in Iceland. And after that, it was all talk, no, nothing concrete. <laughs> okay, well, you go, you go to uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps too, uh, and then from there, after er, Vancouver Whitecaps open tryout, so it wasn't nothing. Nothing was guaranteed. It was just an open tryout. From there, they invite you into a preseason, and you spend a week with the Whitecaps too. But then you got cut. So right away, are you feeling like okay, maybe the idea of what I thought the professional lifestyle was going to be like in terms of maybe you're playing at a Division One level, and it's not really a handout, but you have a good starting point, right, with Division One. Are you kind of getting to that point if you're like, wait, this is not what I thought it was going to be? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I actually, I remember like Armando actually talked about this a lot whenever I talked with him or had him on my videos and stuff. Um, it's just like you kind of do have that mentality coming out of, of college playing D1 and, and having a good career of like, okay, this isn't going to be easy by any means, but it's not going to be as hard as I think it actually is going to be. And and all of a sudden, and that doesn't even, we'd even talk about too, like I went to the InfoSport Combine, I went to the San Jose Earthquakes, in, uh, Earthquakes, Earthquakes <laughs> Invited Combine, I went to the Portland Timbers 2 Open Tryout, and then those are the ones that I just didn't even hear anything back from. Then like you said, the Iceland, I went to Vancouver Whitecaps 2, and either I didn't hear anything back or I got a flat out, like, you're cut. And so at this point, like, I was really kind of like, wow, it's, it's this is 
not what I expected. Like I really expected, like honestly, in that very first trial in Iceland, where I expected those combines that I got invited to, that it was kind of almost kind of be like, I'll be not fighting people off, but I, I should have a, a options. I thought I was getting even have options. And then all of a sudden you're in March now, USL season starting up and you are have nothing. Yeah. And that's, again, it's the, I think you mentioned it earlier, but it's like almost being real with yourself before the the real world is real with you right so you kind of have to have that humble approach coming in or else the real world is going to drop you down real quick and really put you in a position where then you're going to have to realize that the world is cruel and uh the next step here you go from you know obviously the white cap stuff doesn't work out and then you start trialing at sac republic and you get invited to come on as a training player and you stayed there uh all of 2015 but while you're staying in Sacramento, or excuse me, in, in, we're in Davis, but in Sacramento there, you're playing weekend games with Ventura County Fusion, which is four hours down south. So, and the reason I kind of want to stop there because that's when I kind of came into the picture of kind of seeing how you navigated your professional career and how you navigated uh, starting, you know, become elite. And I just, the, some of the fondest memories where we're, I mean, Lucas is on here, Armando's on here, Spencer, I don't know if he's on here, but if he is, say what's up. And um, we're living in on Anderson and Davis. And I remember I came back as I wanted to be a grad assistant and, you know, get into coaching, which is crazy now because that's kind of where where my coaching journey started. And likewise for you, where now you and I are both living in the same house, but they already had their rooms occupied. So there's the kitchen and there's your mattress on the floor in the kitchen. And I was on the futon uh, in the uh, in the living room. And these guys will probably say I never paid rent, but I paid rent. I, <laughs> I paid rent in tenfold. And then uh, but no, then then I, I saw you, Matt, like, I mean, I'll never forget this, where you would go out and train, you would come back, and then you would just sit there editing your videos. And I don't know if Mimi was going out to film you yet, but you would go out to, uh, to Olsen, I think it was one of those fields, and you just film drills on drills on drills. And I kept thinking to myself, man, like, doesn't this guy want to rest for his pro trials? Like, I feel like that is something that should be in the cards right now, not really focusing on creating a platform for social media. But again, that was like my first, like, mind my mind started opening up to wow this guy's this guy's got it and so I kind of want to bring up that moment in your life where you drop out of school and now you're back kind of where it all started and you're a trial player which I think ego wise that must be kicked to the kick to the stomach there so what was that like living and kind of having to humble yourself living on the floor of your friend's house and there we're all watching you now kind of you know chase your dreams yeah it definitely was like it's so funny because like from the outside and if you describe it, it, it really sounds like it was such a low period, you know, L- living on a mattress in my friend's kitchen, flipping it up every day, going to be a training player where it's literally like I could be standing on the sidelines the entire training, waiting for somebody to like pull themselves out and me pop in or just warming up the goalkeepers or doing whatever it entails, driving five hours down to go play a game with the PDL level. And then also creating, like what you said, creating the videos for, at that time, an audience of like 40 people, 50 people, and spending the same amount of time that I do now on the videos, but getting like almost no reward from it. That moment, honestly, that that, that time sounds really tough. But for me, it was it was like, it was it, obviously with you guys, like you and, Spe- and Spencer and, and not Luda, is okay, but <laughs> and Armando, but like having all those guys there, it really like, it helped me almost complete contrast to my actual senior season where I took it so seriously and put so much pressure on myself to that where it was just kind of almost carefree, where it was like I worked so hard every single day, 
but the attitude and the pressure I put around myself, it's like, look, I'm at like kind of rock bottom right now. I'm making a hundred bucks a month, $150 a month. It was very humbling. And I think that it was, it was really helped. It helped me also get in that mindset of like, look, I'm all in. I'm all in right now to become a pro. I'm all in right now to, to start become elite because I'm willing to literally my, I'm literally willing to live in the, in the I got my friend's kitchen. So it, at that moment, it was like, I'm all into this and also very humbling, but also like a great time to be with you guys and spend that time in that house together. Yeah, I think that was one of the fondest memories for me again was just all of us. We're at like the the crossroads of our lives. We're kind of, you know, those guys are going to graduate the next year. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And what's funny is people may not know this, but you and I linked up for a uh, become elite goalkeeping and things didn't work out the way they were you know, supposed to work out. But it, it's honestly like to me, it's mind blowing how like we were we're both, you know, creating this content now where you and I could have had the two biggest channels together and coming from the same school. And it just like, to me, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And again, I owe a lot of what I do and seeing how you did it, where you showed me from day one, me watching you again, I watched you in the kitchen, just editing, editing, editing to a audience of 40 people. And I kept thinking, Oh man, like you really got to love this to put that much time into the editing. So again, props to you because I got to see why your success was valid, uh, validated and why my success, if I ever wanted anything like yours, I needed to put that work in. So props to you. And I think that was a big, big moment for me to, to see that uh, firsthand. So thank you for that. But so now again, the, the story doesn't end there. You are living on this couch, or on the, excuse me, on the uh, my, my 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 bed is a couch. You're sleeping on the you're sleeping on the floor now, and all of a sudden now you leave for Germany, which to me, man, it was probably one of like the pinnacles of of become elite on your YouTube channel, because to me, you got to see an inside scoop on really what life is like, and you trialed with, from my notes here, Matt, twelve to thirteen different teams, and they're ranging from the fourth tier to the sixth tier. And again, that's got to be psychologically grueling where you're going to trial after trial after trial. And I remember even when I came back from my, my knee surgery, I went to an open trial for the LA Galaxy. And it was literally an open trial where I had guys who I was listening to calling their friends and saying, hey, like I'm out here. Donovan might be out here any second now watching me play. I got to go. But I'm like, I'm realistic where I'm like, I came from a D1. I came from the academy system. Like I know what a professional trial looks like. This is very money oriented. So for you, how like... In terms of just, you know, again, humbling yourself and going from these trial to trial and trial, like at a certain point, it must be difficult to keep showing up. Yeah, uh, definitely. And like what you said, it's it it sounds very good. Like that was the funniest part of like when I would tell people what I'm doing or when I'm over in Germany trialing and everyone's like, that's amazing. It's awesome. But yet I am doing like couch surfing or I'm living, you know, spending $15 to sleep on this guy's spare closet floor or whatever um and then bouncing around and then as you said like open tryouts or i didn't do any open trials in germany but open trials aren't fun open combines aren't fun going in, in into a trial where you are like the odd man out with no friends and having to kind of like work your way into the team and prove yourself isn't isn't very enjoyable it's a very uncomfortable situation but i think like i said like i was all in i had that mentality of like i will sleep anywhere as long as i have enough money to to just put like a roof over my head or I'll sneak into a train station and do anything. I'll, I literally will do anything to make this work. I'm going to give it like two, three years. And uh, yeah, it was very, very hard bouncing around, going team to team to team, different cities in Germany. And again, like 
you definitely have that mindset of like you envisioning this for so long, like, oh, I'm going to go over to Germany, I'm going to go over to Germany, and you have it in your head of like what's going to happen, what it's going to be like, and in some parts, it's 100% true, and it's amazing to be over there and to go and be able to watch a first division game, second division game, bounce around, learn the language, really go on trials and play. It's, it's, it's everything you dream of, but at the same time, there's so many parts of it that you're like, I didn't know I'd be this lonely. I didn't know this would... I wouldn't be as glamorous as I thought. I didn't know that I would be sleeping in this guy's closet right now. Like it, it, there, it's such a weird duality that you have. Like this is my dream, but at the same time, this is terrible. Yeah, I mean, again, you're sleeping in someone's closet, sleeping in someone's kitchen. So again, you're you're all in it. Everything you're doing now to this point is like I'm I'm buy I'm buying in. There's no out for me. I'm either gonna realize my dream or I'm gonna die trying. And you finally get that like glimmer of hope. And you realize your dream where this team in Germany, a fourth tier team, they offer you a contract. And I'm sure in your mind, everything was, you know, you were ecstatic, all the hard work, everything finally came to fruition where you realize, wow, okay, that is, that's what it feels like to, to work your butt off for something and have a goal. And now I'm realizing it. So uh, it's not, the ending didn't work out the way we wanted to, but can you take me again, the moment you got the news that you uh, that you got uh, signed by this team and you got a contract offer, and then the moments right after. Yeah, yeah. So the team was SC Teutonia Watsonborn Steinberg. It's a crazy name, but they were in the uh, the fourth tier, and it, like I trialed with them right before that winter break. So I went with like I had like two trainings with them. Did really well. Coach really liked me. He said to come back in January. Came back and I so I spent that entire kind of like month, which was waiting then thinking about like how the coach really liked me. I'm invited back, so I was super excited. And then in January, I joined back up with this team, training again, doing all the stuff, um, playing very well, did an exhibition game, played very well. I'm getting lots of good feedback from the team. I'm really starting to gel with the guys. I'm starting to envision myself being here. And then the coach, after the exhibition game, he pulls me aside and says, you look, yep, we're gonna sign you. Like we want you here, is this something you would want? And I was like, over the moon like I at this point now it's been a year over a year of after since I dropped out of college and now 15 16 teams telling me no and then I go and and I finally get it and I get this contract and it was like going to be a thousand euros and an apartment with another teammate and it was going to be like bonuses so it wasn't like I mean the fourth tier in Germany is kind of like they consider semi-pro you have some teams that will pay and do uh, really treat you right but there's also you know it kind of has a, a lot of amateur qualities as well but to this I was like this is my pro contract right here I got it like I'm, I'm gonna be paid to play to fully live over here and I was so excited and then they said yeah uh, we'll, we'll call you on Saturday or Sunday we'll call you on Sunday you'll come in and you'll sign the contract you'll you know you're all set and this was like Friday or something so I was I called I called my parents I said I signed I'm gonna sign a contract I'm gonna sign this contract and then um, just for like the next 24, 48, 48 hours, just so excited, envisioning again who my roommate was going to be, where I was going to live. I actually even walked to where the apartment was just to see where my new apartment was going to be. And um, yeah, and then, uh, and then all of a sudden Sunday comes and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I only have uh, my WhatsApp Wi-Fi like at my Airbnb. So I just sat in my Airbnb room this communal like room with some other college kids. I just sat in the room all day, just didn't even use the internet. It was like, I don't want to have any disturbance. I want to have, be able to get this call so I know when I can go in and sign the contract. I wait all the way until like 7, 8 p.m. And then I kind of like realized like something's wrong and I really didn't know what to think. So I sent a message to the coach and just said, hey, is everything good? Are we going to sign the contract? And he goes, Matt, I'm so sorry. I'll give you a call in like five minutes. I get the call 
and he just kind of basically says that the sponsor that we had for your contract that was going to fund your contract, he, he backed out. He, he thought that we had too many guys on the team as well, wants to focus on finishing out this season, and uh, just sorry. And so like just like that, like you go from I'm a pro to now nothing. So it just was it was heartbreaking. I think for the next 48 hours, I didn't leave that um, that Airbnb, and I just like I just yeah I was depressed. I just cried and felt sorry for myself, and it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah, I think uh, one of the the big moments too was this is kind of when become a lead's kind of slowly taking off. Where you know you're you're showing people the ins and outs and what it looks like to chase the dream. And to your credit, Matt, you know I think from my recollection at the time you were one of the first people on YouTube to kind of have you know that platform, but also be very fully transparent about the ups and downs of a professional career. And in my opinion, I think a lot of people would have given up and stopped posting, I think, because they didn't want to share those failures. So I think, again, it's the ego thing where you we see on social media now where it's only the good save or only the good goal, but you don't show the bad moments. So in your honest opinion, Matt, did you feel that you owed it to the people following your journey to, you know, follow through with even the negative times to show them just how cruel and unglamorous things can be when you're trying to chase that dream. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that was, that was my thing is like, I wanted to show that the, the, all the behind the scenes and show everything. So it, it is hard. Like the same thing. It's always hard to talk about that. It's always hard to say that you have a trial and it didn't work out and post it and be public about that. Knowing you're going to get lots of comments and feedback, you know, you obviously get a lot of comments saying, Oh, it's okay. Go for the next one. But you'll start to get a lot of people kind of like, making fun of you, doubting you, criticizing you. So at that point, again, though, I didn't have a huge audience. I think at that point in Germany, after doing this for like nine months on YouTube, I probably had like 500, 600 subscribers or something. So again, not a big audience at all. It is a very dedicated, loyal audience. And so I kind of felt that no matter what, those guys that were following me, those 500 people, like we're going to be kind of like through thick and thin and Honestly, half the views were probably from you guys at Davis and from my family. So and it wasn't too bad. It was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? Well, I, I had that same mentality of kind of like, I'm all in. Like I'm starting it. I'm vlogging. I'm showing this. I'm over in Germany. And I was completely alone. So it was almost for myself too, to kind of vent to the camera, to talk, and just to keep myself occupied and to share what was going on. Because I felt like just doing that and keeping myself occupied with Become Elite really did help me mentally more than... Uh, more than if I just were over there doing nothing and only focusing on soccer. Yeah. Or did you feel like in those moments of, you know, you're getting the opportunity maybe to sign for a team doesn't work out. You've been on, I mean, let's say at this point, almost 20 trials, nothing, nothing to show for it. Do you feel like all those experience finally gave you a perspective of like, okay, if it's not going to work out and I'm going to be stressed out, maybe I should just go into this, be a little bit more relaxed and just play my game. And if things work out, they work out from your experiences, Matt, like have those changed the way you approach the game and play the game now? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that I stopped putting, and also you see too, like sometimes you go into a trial and to be hundred percent honest, no matter how you do, you're not going to get it. Like they're just kind of like letting you in to appease your agent or to appease you. They already have three other right backs or your position. And it's kind of like, yeah, come on in. We'll see you for a day, but you know, unless you're messy, we're not going to have you. So you almost kind of see that that this process is, in some kind of way, it is a little bit out of your hands. Like the stars, I say a lot. The stars do have to align. You have to find the team that needs your position, that likes your style of play, and so everything needs to work out. And so I kind of like looked at it almost of like every rejection wasn't like a direct look at me and being like, oh, you're 
you're bad, you're not good enough for this level. Because a lot of times the feedback I was getting is like, no, you, you're at this level, but you're coming in mid-season, it's not going to work out here. Or, you know what, we already, you know, we kind of going to go for this other winger. You're a good player, but... So I was getting positive feedback, but I kept on seeing it's like, yes, I can do better at these trials, but at the same time, it, there does need to be... There is a little bit of, a, of luck that needs to work for you to... For it all to work out and you get that contract. So I kind of went into the trials after and looking at that of like, play my game, play the best to my abilities all the time, but if it doesn't work out... A lot of times it's not because I, I failed. It's be just because, you know, we'll go on to the next one. And then it's funny because then after that, like uh, I went to the, I obviously was with Kinzenbach for a little bit and that was okay. And then I had my first trial in the USL and that trial, it was kind of like, you know what? Same thing, same mentality. Like, look, I've been through 20 rejections, go into here. We'll see what happens. Just play my game, but no worries. And then that was the trial. Like two days later after that trial, the coach is like, we want to sign you. We want to sign you. Let's go. And it's just like what you said, it's kind of funny about how when you put pressure on yourself, sometimes you think like it's all in my hands, it's all in my hands, I got to focus on this, it's got to work out and it doesn't work out. And then that one time where you're like, you know what, I'm going to go in here, play my game and see what happens. And then all of a sudden you get your first pro contract. Yeah, I think sometimes even you've posted on your, your Instagram channel, and I think um, your career up to this point can kind of reflect the statement is the next time you don't submit to failure or excuse me, like to giving up that next step that you take may be the one that you get the opportunity. Because again, it's just constantly just put your head down, keep working, keep working, keep working. But again, everybody has a certain line that they have to draw in the sand and go, hey, when it gets to this point, this time I have to think about you, you Mimi, you know, my fiance, I, I have to think about her a little bit more. I think about my family, think about my career in the future. Think about, you know, can I use my degree? Can I go back to school? So there's a lot of stuff on the table, which I'm sure you were trying to process and kind of file through while you're on the move. And, and to talk about your move to, uh, to Orange County, and now you're playing in the USL. And, you know, to me, I mean, I don't know what Kinzenbacher was. I don't know if that was uh, – would you consider your first game with them like your first official professional game? Nah, I mean, I was getting paid. I was getting paid, but it was, <laughs> the money I was getting was pretty much allowed. And I had an apartment, but it was like, the money I was getting was pretty much just enough to buy bread and milk. <laughs> and, oh, and to, pay, and to pay for my gym membership. And that was about it. God, you and your gym, I know you had to get something with there. But, uh, but no, yeah, so I think, Again, I, I, I was doing my thing. You were doing your thing. So sometimes we weren't staying as much in touch, maybe on the group chat here and there. But I was always under like, okay, when is he going to give up? Even with, my, with Elliot for a little bit too, I was always like, they don't want to take no for an answer. And I'm just like, at, at a certain point, when are they going to give up? And that's just my mentality where I was like, poor guys, man. I feel, I feel, I felt bad for you guys. But then, you know, he gets his opportunity in Sweden and things go from there for him. But for you, then the German uh, Kinzenbach happens and then you come here to the USL and how did you feel when you finally stepped on to your first professional game? Like, what were the emotions? Did you cry at all? Because I feel like if I was told no and the door slammed on me multiple times and kind of teased with that German contract, didn't happen. When I got to that first game, everything just comes to a halt in that moment when you step on the field and the, the, uh, the whistle blows. Something's got to be going through your head like, wow, this is it. This is what I've been working for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think too, like what you said, like how they, well, they just don't take no for an answer. It, yeah, from the outside, it definitely is like that. But there was times in Germany where I would call my dad and be like, I, I'm, I'm done. How many times am I going to be told no, I'm done? No, like I, I, I'm going to buy a plane ticket, go back to Portland and, and call it quits because I, this isn't going to, this isn't for me. Obviously, it's not working out for me. And my dad kept on like, he was just, I don't know if he was so super supportive or just completely blind to like, or anything, but he just was like, no, just keep going. Give it another year. Give it another year. Give it another year. And in my head, 
Like I was like, again, like I don't know if he's being supportive or and realistic or if he's kind of like delusional right now. But he kept on saying, look, you're getting contracts offered to you, but things aren't working out. Teams want you back for the next season. You know, you're now being told like you're not at the level. It's just things aren't really working out. And he kept on like insisting I keep on staying over there and keep going after it. So definitely talking with him, it's gonna. It was like that family supportive, like don't quit, don't say no. So it kind of helped me push through that. But then finally signing the pro contract in in Orange County and playing my first game, it kind of at one point it does almost doesn't feel like you feel like it should be more almost. You sign it and you're like, this is everything I've worked for for the last 500 days, 600 days, year and a half. And you sign it and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, like, like it's weird. It's a weird mix of like, I've accomplished this dream of mine, but also being like, I have so much more that I want to do now. There's not like this huge explosion of music and like in the movies. So it was a really, really weird mix, but stepping on the field for the first time and getting my first professional start, uh, actually against Sacramento Republic at home in Orange County was it was definitely pretty surreal. I remember coming out there and the music and I, and it always says like the national anthem is always a cool moment. But yeah, when that whistle goes, I just told myself, you never know, like this could be my only pro game I ever play. I could get benched the next game or I could, you know, something terrible happen to my body or something. So I really just told myself just to enjoy it, soak it all in, play as, with no regrets and just enjoy this moment because like nothing's ever guaranteed. So I just, yeah, it was, it was a very, very cool 90 minutes, a cool moment. And luckily that wasn't my last, my last 90 minutes ever. So it was awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Amazing. yeah I think that's, that's, uh, again, that's amazing where, uh, sometimes you get to those moments in life where you build them up, build them up, build them up. And then you realize like, no one really cares as much as you do. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like you get to a point where you're just like, okay, this is, this feels great. But I thought more people would call me, text me, congratulate me when really it's like, you want to do something that you're absolutely passionate about that you love where if nobody else cared about it, but it was just you and that sport or you and that thing you love, then that's all that really matters to you because you don't really care. So I'm glad that you were able to, again, process it in a way where you said, man, I have so much gratitude and appreciation for like your parents, your, your, your fiance now that like they helped you push it to this point. Um, you play there for, was it a year, correct? Yeah. For finished out of season. Yeah. And so how long from when you left Davis up until that point were you chasing after it? I think I counted. I think it was, I actually know it's 578 days. From Davis? Sorry. Yeah, that's when I dropped out of, after my senior year, dropped out of school to when I signed my first pro contract, 578 days. Yeah. For the people who uh, are going to listen to this as a podcast later, they didn't see my face when you said that number. I thought you were going to say, I thought when you said five, I said, oh, five months. That's, that's tough. But 578 days, that's that's crazy. And I think that's that's the beauty of all this is that people can see the finished product, but they don't get to see or hear really the uh, the inside kind of feeling of how it feels to be kind of isolated and on your own and, and following a passion that you have versus a passion you want to live for somebody else. So props to you. But um, so we move from Orange County, you're there for one year. And then from there, the next season, you sign with St. Louis FC. And you you played right back for them? Yeah. And so you were with them, preseason went well, everything was going well. You played a few games in the season too, right? Yeah, I played 12 games. 12 games. And then, again, one of, like, it's a sequence of injuries coming up for you, but that the first injury comes. Um, again, you know, it's a little bit more the resiliency and kind of adversity you're facing is away from somebody out of your control and, like, them, you know, bringing you onto a team. Now it's an injury that you kind of have to 
really take a step back and go, damn, okay, like I can't even do anything about this. What was that process for you? And, and again, your mindset of you play one year with Orange County, you come to St. Lu- uh, St. Louis, now you're the starter, you're in coach's favor, everything's going out well, but all of a sudden things get bad from the injury. So what was that kind of ebbs and flows and, and things going there? Yeah, that was that was really tough because it was like it almost kind of felt like as soon as the ball got rolling after 578 days of doing this, you know, I finally get my foot in the door into the USL. And then as soon as the USL season ends, I, I get the contract from St. Louis FC. I'm like, wow, I'm finally like, this is it. Like, this is my I've, I've broken in and then and then start the season. And, and then all of a sudden um, to have that injury was really crushing because I hadn't really ever dealt with serious injuries before ever in my career up until that point. I was 24 at that point when it happened. And I think from the day I started kicking a ball until that, I never had a serious injury more than a tiny muscle strain out for a few weeks or something. And so I, I really didn't know how to, to, to like go about that. Like it was a very weird thing of being sidelined and Again, it was like sports hernias are so weird. I had a sports hernia, and the sports hernias are so weird because they go very undiagnosed. A lot of times, people think they're strains. You you have to try with rehab first. It's not like a it's not like a torn ACL where you can look at it on an MRI or X-ray or whatever and be like, "Yep, this is it. We have to operate." It's more of like, a, "We're gonna try this experimental. We'll give you some steroid shots. We'll give you some PRP shots." And so it's just like week after week after week of just not knowing, sitting and watching my team train and play. It was, and at this moment where this is supposed to be my big year, like I'm finally, this is my first full year in, in the professional setting. It was tough. Like it, again, just another year where it was like not that good. But again, it's always hard. It's funny because it's like up until that injury, up in, that happened in July. So from February until July, till July, things were going great. Like I was playing well, like I had so many great moments. So I have like every year it might sound like I have a lot of unglamorous or, or uh, terrible things happen but it's it's just like uh, there's more positives than the negatives true and those positives keep you going I think that's I think that's a that's a big reminder as well is that those uh positive things are are things that you are kind of keeping in the back of your mind through that recovery phase of like okay I know what's in this I know I'm good enough to play so I'm I'm okay on that front but also too it's kind of a revolving door especially in the USL and you get injured, they're going to find somebody else to replace you. So for anybody who is going through an injury, maybe can you give them some kind of tips to, again, it's your first injury you kind of have, and maybe for kids who are getting positive results and all of a sudden an injury comes, any tips for them to kind of either keep them sane or to keep them motivated? Yeah. I say a lot that like, you don't have to uh, adopt a positive mindset, but you have to adopt a healthy mindset because I think it's wrong to, to have a positive mindset and be like, this is good. This is, this is, you know, everything's all sunshine and rainbows. I think the best thing you can do is realize that like, this is a shitty situation. This isn't the, this isn't ideal at all, but to then take a step back and be like, how can I have a healthy mindset about what's going on? Obviously I can't control that I have a sports hernia right now, but what is the best thing I can do during this time where I can at least make a little bit of progress with my game or, you know, I can stay a little bit fit and, and I, I think that helped me because I think having that like fake um, optimism and fake positivity just is more of annoying, you know, like, oh yeah, that's, it's all good. I think it's, it's more like it frustrates me and I think it's good to be like, no, I'm in a bad situation right now, but what can I do right now that what can I can, what can I control in order to make this terrible situation a bad situation, a little bit better. So it's like the little things of like, well, I can still, you know, keep myself fit upper body. 
I can still, you know, watch game footage and I can still go back and watch my old games. I can still work on Become Elite. I can still do a little bit of light jogging. So it was just like, what can I do and how can I have this, the healthiest mindset about this, not necessarily the most positive mindset. That's a, a really good point. And, you know, now you move from, you know, you get an injury and in St. Louis, things, uh, things carry into the next season, correct? And you get a second surgery. So the first surgery didn't go as planned or what, uh, what was the problem with that? So with sports hernias, they're weird because it's right where it connects between your adductor, so your groin and your lower abdominals. It's literally where it connects. And so sometimes when you have a sports hernia, sometimes it's the ab that tears and sometimes it's the groin that tears and sometimes you have tears in both. And so for me, I had tears in both. And I kind of knew that, and it's weird. I had this gut feeling going into that surgery when they're like, okay, we're going to operate up here. I was like, okay, I had pain in my abdominals, a ton of pain there, but I also had a ton of pain in the groin. And so it was, it's weird looking back on it, but I had this weird gut feeling that the groin was needed help too. But you know, you kind of listen, like I'm going to listen to the doctors, listen to what's going to happen. And then, yeah, I got in the ab and the, so the ab surgery that I had that put in the mesh in the lower abdominals that helped clear up all the pain there. But after rehabbing all of off season, coming back and then going back into sprinting and kicking, um, right around January, February, I still had all that pain in the groin. And after more MRIs and more talks with my doctors and more steroid shots and more PRP shots, the, the final decision was you need to fly back into St. Louis and now we need to operate on the, uh, the groin again. And at this point in February, that's when the USL season starts. And at this time, the NASL had folded. So there's already a surplus of players and a lack of teams. So at that point, it was kind of like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to get a team injured and with a surplus of players right now. So that was, that was tough. I, I had moments of, am I ever going to pay, play pain-free? Is this the end of my career? Am I not going to be able to like really enjoy my last game? So I had lots of thoughts like that where I didn't want it to be the end of my career. But sometimes after you go nine months of pain, you kind of wonder, am I ever going to not have pain? Yeah, and it must be tough too when you go through an injury where it's like, you know, you felt like you were getting better and better. And then all of a sudden now you're hit with another surgery and now it's like you're starting from square one. So that must have been extremely frustrating. Like you said, you know, when your mind is not occupied with something that you're doing that you love, of course, I'm, sh I'm sure Become Elite is something that uh, occupied your time, but occupying it, playing and feeling like you're, you're giving something to the team versus you're kind of going through something on your own. Um, and so, you know, so that doesn't work out. The NASL folds and now you're stuck in a situation where you're trying to find games. Um, take me through when you moved to New Zealand and signed for a waterside Karori. I think that's what, how you say it. Um, that was an interesting one. I think, again, when you're talking about those comments on social media, I think that was also uh, people were from what I remember, people were reading and saying, like, you know, you dropped the level. And like, what was that mentality like when you realized you had to take a few steps back and you know care for your development not to really care for what anybody else thinks yeah yeah so going yeah going into that after that surgery and talking to my agent at the time i was on my second agent or third agent at that point and his outlook was uh because he's the one who kind of sets up the usl trials for you and what you have and obviously i do some stuff too but pretty much what i wasn't getting any any feedback from any usl club that wanted me in after my surgery even for a trial he my agent basically said that look um i tried but I don't think I'm going to be able to get you anything this year, not even a trial. And so I was like, that's not good. That's not fun to hear from your, from your agent and uh, who usually are positive and usually are on the other end. They're like, no, I can get you something. Don't worry. I can get you something. So to hear a very realistic, sad thing from somebody who actually should be on the opposite end, it really hit home that like, 
I don't know if I'm going to find a team this year. And through connections and through sending out stuff and people contacting me, I actually had someone contact me and said, have you ever thought about coming down to New Zealand? The level might be lower. You know, it's not a fully professional league, um, but you can get paid. You can still get paid down here. You can still continue your uh, career. And so I kind of followed up that lead and, and went down there. And it's funny because it, it definitely, it definitely, it looked like you, you don't, you're in a no stadiums playing at parks. Sometimes it's, it's definitely very amateur at points. But having said that, there's high quality players anywhere you go. You can go to Iceland, third division. You can go to New Zealand, second division. You can go to England, seventh division. You can go to America in the USL League One. There's high quality players everywhere. And there's, I'm always surprised with how high quality players I find going down to these semi-pro or even amateur leagues and, and everywhere. And um, so I went down there and I was not surprised at the level, but I was like, okay, this is, this is good. This is a decent level. I can train, I can rehab back up. I can play in these games and also enjoy New Zealand as a country and, and just live down there and have a new experience. And the best, the best thing that came out of New Zealand, a hundred percent was my host family, the, the Hornsby's down in, in New Zealand where everybody down there became my second family, my second dad, second mom, Fran and Mike and, and all the guys I had a, like three extra brothers. Like that was, um, it was very nice being and traveling abroad and instead of being alone in my, like an apartment, like I was in Germany to now be in a family aspect where I was just part of a family so it was very, very good experience. Yeah, I think the a big point that I, I liked about that was obviously you feel a little bit more uh, like you're not doing it alone. And I think because you because from a young age, Matt, I feel like you had a grip on your development and you had an idea of what your goal was, what your end goal was. Again, dropping down a few levels, moving to the other part of the world isn't going to detract you from what your end goal is. So, you know, you do the New Zealand thing works out. You do. I mean, did it work out? And was it a success for you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean it's it's always funny because like you're there though like in what you said about the comments like you're there and like you have no idea if you're going to be able to return to the usl level and so you have your own doubts of being like can i play again at the usl usl level can i am i ever going to get another trial at the pro level is it going to work out and then you're also reading in every single video that your career is over your career is over you know you're too old now all this stuff and it and it kind of almost adds to your own doubts so at points, I thought this is a, a waste of time. I don't think I'm going to return. But then at points, I was just like, focus on the day to day. And then looking back on it, yeah, 100% success. I went down there, helped the team out, stay in the, the league that we wanted to stay in. And then also as a perfect bounce back year for me to drop down and then pop right back up. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's it's about getting those minutes. And even uh, kids who reach out to me sometimes and say, hey, should I go to a Division One school uh, where I might not be able to play the first few years? Or should I go somewhere else, Division One, but maybe not as good of a team, maybe less conference, but I can develop more because I'm probably going to be a figurehead in the team. So I think for me, that's it, it depends on your personality, when, which again, you understood what your goal was. And I think a lot of kids who are listening, remember, if you have a good grip and a good pulse on what you want and your own personality and you're self-aware, these decisions won't be easy, but they'll be a little bit easier because now you have more context to understanding what your decisions are based off of. Um, so then Matt, from there, you go from New Zealand Things aren't as glamorous there, but then you come back to the USL, which things aren't very glamorous in the USL either. They're, we all know here in the US, uh, they don't really get paid that well. Um, but you know, you make that move back, and now it's back in your country. Now you have a little bit more familiarity with the language, what's going on over here. Uh, not to say New Zealand doesn't speak English, but they do. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna make a joke, yeah. But uh, yeah, so you trial with the Tulsa Roughnecks, and with Tulsa, you don't sign, but you're there for five years training. Or five, five, five months training. Five weeks. 
five weeks. Okay. Yeah, you wrote that in the notes here. I don't know why I wrote that. So you wrote for five weeks until the end of the season. So there was nothing guaranteed there? Yeah, no, no, not at all. I, I literally coming back because the season in New Zealand ends in August. So I ended up, I ended the season and my thought process was, okay, this is the last couple months of the USL season. I'm going to try to go back now and just find any team I can to train with not only for myself and to and to get back in the fully pro level again, training every single day at the pro environment, um, that's the professional speed of play, but also to kind of like play in front of coaches as like a form of a trial for that next season. Because I think as soon as I got back to the U.S. and by the time I was all settled and everything, I had already missed the like the signing date to sign players for the for that 2018 season. So I was just like, this is all for 2019. I'm just getting on people's radar, showing that I'm back at the pro level and also for myself for the training. Do you feel like New Zealand gave you that energy you needed again? Like, did it give you that, like, extra boost? Yeah, I think that uh, just playing games again, because I think that, you know, I hadn't played a game. The last game that I played before New Zealand was July of 2017. And by the time I felt 100% healthy to play again, it would it had been like 10 or 11 months. And if I had waited out that entire 2018 USL season just at home training and then try to re-enter again in 2019... At that point, that's like a full year and a half I had gone or would have gone without playing a game or training with a team. And I, I honestly don't know if uh, I think I could have done it, but I think that it doesn't look good for any coach if you don't have a team for a year and a half and you're just by yourself training. Amen. Yeah. So, again, things start picking back up. You sign with Tulsa and everything is, again, kind of looking a little bit nicer and things are kind of going back to full swing and, and you're excited about things. And unfortunately, now, again, that nagging injury comes back. And for a third time, again, when I saw you post about it on social media, I thought, okay, it's over. Like, to me, I kept thinking, man, this guy is going to have a, a nagging injury for years and years to come. And it's going to be something that he's going to have to re- really consider about what his future holds. So I hate to keep asking you, but what was that process like where you got the news that the, the injury needed a surgery? Yes, it, it's funny because I played, I played in the very first game of the season against the Timbers 2 of that 2019 season after signing with the with the Roughnecks. And so I played in that very first game and up in like for the the two weeks prior to that, my groin on the other side, so my right side now, had been feeling a little tight and I've been doing all the prehab possible for it, but it was just feeling tight. Um, I earned the starting spot for the very first game of the season after coming in as the second string actually. And then, yeah, I, I played in that game. I remember in, it was the 88th minute of the game. So the, towards the very end, I, sprinted and kicked at the same time like the balls in the my defensive corner and I kind of like ran to it and kicked it out for a throw-in and I felt that same weird like you can feel of your abs and your your adductor you can just feel like a like a little thing just happened and it's painful but you can finish out the game but you could you know something's wrong and it, it was just instantly transported back to 2017 where it was the same exact feeling on the left side so it's the minute it happened in the game the second it happened in my head I was like it happened again on my right side. Like I know it happened on my right side. And after the game, I went out to dinner with my family and we had tied one, one I had started. It should have been a very happy moment. And I remember like dinner, I was just silent. And like my mom like pulled me aside after dinner and was like, what's going on? Like, why, what's going on? Why are you not happy? Why are you so quiet? And I kind of like said, like, I, I think I have another sports running on my right side. And they're like, no, you know, just the typical mom. And no, no, no. I think you're overthinking it. Don't worry. But after MRIs and the rehab and seeing the trainer and everything, it was. And so, yeah, I mean, like, you're like, God, like at that point, you're like, really? Another, like something else? 
But at the same time, that one, the second one, was almost easier because it's like I had been through so much. I knew I like I had been through the sports journey on the left side. I've been through this. I know exactly what's going to happen. I know if it's done the right way and you go in and you do both the groin and the abs now, I can be back playing in six, seven weeks. So it, honestly, that for that moment, it was, it was so sad and terrible. But at the same time, I had the most confidence I've ever had to be like, yeah, I'll be back. Because I posted this quote when it happened after the game. I said, like, once you've already seen um, great setbacks or something, you have a new perspective. on, Or once you've seen, like, great uh, tragedies in your life, you've already, you'll have a new perspective on minor setbacks. So it was just like I had this completely new perspective on this on the sports journey of, like, okay, big deal. Six weeks and I'll be back. It's fine. So it was really weird. It's a weird mix again. So you come back, and as of right now, everything feels good? Yeah, yeah. So I came back in – after the surgery, I came back in – six and a half weeks and I played the first game against Sacramento Republic again at Sacramento. I feel like that's always Sacramento has got a weird thing with me. I'm always playing my first games there. And then, uh, yeah. And then it was tight and you have the typical post-surgery twinges and pains and it takes a while to get back the strength and explosion back up after a month or two of that. And once I'm in the end of the 2019 season and since then I've been feeling absolutely amazing, almost like to the point where it's like, yeah, this is, I feel how I felt pre that very first surgery. So it's been great. Now, you know, bring everything full circle. Now we've, you know, pretty much covered all the ground from your college days up until your professional days. And do you feel like that outlet of become elite and you posting about your injuries? I think after the last injury, I thought I saw a video of you. Uh, you're not, you weren't teary eyed, but you were definitely kind of like, I'm frustrated guys. And I don't know if I can continue to post content. I'm going to need some time off. Um, again, did you feel that one, it was a good outlet, and two, that you sharing these trials and tribulations of your professional career, you know, not in a selfish way, but like, I want to keep putting this out there, even though it's not the best for me, but I know it's going to help any young kid out there who's going through these injuries. Did that ever cross your mind at all? Yeah, yeah, 100%. There was many times, many, many times where, especially with injuries and stuff, where I didn't want to post anything. Like, I, even after... Like I even have videos titled like I didn't want to post this, which is true. Like I literally contemplated for days, like I'm not recording, I'm not in the mood. But then like I keep telling myself like what kind of what kind of message would I be putting out there? Like what you just said, if I if I only filmed and recorded and made videos on the days where things were going well and put out this wrong message of the core value of my channel of showing the true behind the scenes life of what it takes to be a professional soccer player, who am I to follow that if I don't actually show? the true behind the scenes life of a professional soccer player. So I might have days where I definitely go, I'm not recording, but then the next day I, I convince myself like, okay, no, I, I owe it to the integrity of like my whole channel. I need to share what's going on and, and what's really happening. For sure. We're just about uh, close to that hour, Matt. So I kind of want to ask you two more questions and uh, we'll end on that. But seeing from your experiences now as a professional athlete and obviously the ups and downs, ebbs and flows, and having to relocate and coming back from surgeries, coming back from injuries, fighting for your spot. There's, there's just so many layers to being a professional. So having the knowledge that you know now and seeing what the professional lifestyle is, how do you compare how you see it now to you stepping in, leaving Davis, and then those 578 days that preceded? Like, how did you, how, is there a big difference, slight difference? Were you realistic? Yeah, yeah. I That's a really good question. I, um, I definitely think leaving Davis that, I thought that one, that it was going not like, again, it's hard to say like it was going to be an easy route because it, I didn't think it was going to be an easy route, but I definitely thought that, um, that it was going to be a more smooth path. Like I thought that 
trials were going to be were going to be easier to get. I thought that my resume was going to help carry me a little bit farther than it did. I thought that you know I wouldn't face as many rejections. I thought that injuries would go a little bit smoother and be a little bit easier than it was. And I thought that like living on my own in a different country would be a little bit more fun and exciting than the true reality of it. So I definitely think I had a, a realistic outlook and I didn't think like leaving college like I was going to be like making millions and millions of dollars I didn't think that I was going to be like you know just living the life just doing whatever but I thought that um, I definitely thought that I had a realistic look but I still even underestimated how crazy the roller coaster of emotions and days you go through of the highest highs of winning and and signing contracts and just being doing what you do every day but also the lowest lows of injuries and being a free agent and and just everything else that comes with it. I just didn't expect it to be such a crazy roller coaster. I thought it'd be more just kind of like this. Mm. Yeah, very rarely does that happen with pretty much anything, right? Like things in life get thrown at you. And again, it's it's how you respond. And I want to finish it on this, Matt, in terms of how you respond. And for young players out there, I know you get a lot of DMs about, hey, how can I improve my left foot? How can I improve this? How can I improve that? But one thing that I feel is a question that needs to be asked is, hey, Matt, what are some like personality traits and characteristics that I should be working on now that's going to prepare me to when I get to that next level? So for you, if you could talk to yourself, you know, when you were 12, 13 years old and say, hey, Matt, these are the personality traits and characteristics that you have to have now and instill them now as habits so that once you get to that pro level, now it's easy, easy and more steady for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a question. I don't think I've ever had that question, but it's, it's a really good question. Um, I think if I were to talk my, with myself and talk about personality traits in general, I think it's it's always a combination of something because it's always it's never really black and white. Like for example, I think this balance that you need to have of just complete confidence and self belief in yourself that you can reach the next level, or that you can do the training and the workouts and everything to be able to reach the next level, and have that that crazy belief system that I can put in the same amount of work that anybody else can. I'm a human just like everybody else is. I can reach the highest level just like anybody else has a chance to reach the highest level. But at the same time, also being the opposite and, and realizing that like even though I do have the chance to do this, there's I need to put in the work and I'm not good enough in so many areas. And what are these areas that I need to work on? So it's this constant of like belief, but yet being the super realistic and harsh on yourself of like, what do I need to work on? And the same thing, like if you go over and abroad to have these like crazy things of like, I need to be able to have the mental toughness to be up by myself and be able to live on my own. But at the same time, I also need to have the, the to find things that are going to make me happy to, to go outside in the sun and get a cup of coffee to go and, and, and FaceTime with a friend randomly. So I think it's this constant thing of like of both sides of everything with your mentality and just to never, ever look at this is like black and white. You can, this is the right way. This is the wrong way. But looking at yourself and thinking, what is the best for me and that there's usually always two sides to it and that you pr probably need a little bit from both sides. Yeah. And I think, uh, to finish it off, Matt, I just want to, again, say thank you for coming on. Uh, it's again, it's, it's, I, I look at your career and, and, uh, some of our friends as well, who we've all kind of seen you, you mature from, from college now to playing it professionally. And then plus with become elite growing the, the way it has, and you, kind of having a voice now and, and more of a pulse and kind of what the younger younger kids out there can do for that next generation is is awesome. And I think uh, to build off what your answer there was, it's just those personality traits and especially one that I see in you is uh, just resilient. I think everything you've done from, you know, become elite growing to 
having 500 people following you when you were, you know, creating a program or not much of an audience to you getting cut, sent home, going through those injuries over and over, that resilience to say, like you said, be realistic of what my goals are. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm setting out to be. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to have that winner's mentality, whether it's go big or go home. And I think you have set that tone and set that example for a lot of kids. So props to you. And I know a lot of kids stepping into the college game or professional game all around the world are really benefiting uh, because of your platform. So thank you for that. No, I appreciate it, Omar. It means a lot. It means a lot. And it's like you said, it's, it's so it really is so surreal to be right here, even doing Instagram live with you, with, with your platform and to, to see like where everything's kind of progressed into and really looking back five years ago, honestly, it's almost five years ago on the dot to where it all started. So it's a very, very, it's come full circle and it's very cool to see. And it's awesome to see what you're doing with Pro GK. I, I, it's amazing. I'm really, really proud of you. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Well, I know you got to go and, uh, you know, live the life in Tulsa, you know, some fun stuff going on over there. So, uh, go do your thing <laughs> and uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thank you so much for coming on. All right, sounds good. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for coming on, guys. Take care.